0: There's a culture where people also say, yeah, I'm afraid to do my presentation without a PowerPoint because people may think I'm unprepared, You know, which is crazy. It's, it's not true at all. Actually, You know, having a PowerPoint may make you less prepared because you're relying so much on the fact that everything's already on the slides.
1: Hey there, and welcome to yet another episode of the World of Presentations podcast, brought to you by us at presentation agency 356 Labs. I'm Boris, the founder of the company and your host for this episode. And today we have a very special, very, very special guest. I found her work on LinkedIn by coincidence, or maybe it's just very good marketing. Who knows? Our next guest today with us is Maya Jacobs from Stage Heroes. So who is Maya? She is a public speaker, public speaking trainer, and also presentation coach based in the Netherlands. I love the Netherlands. Anyway, uh, back to Maya again. She's also a dancer and someone who is obsessed with NLP or neuro-linguistic programming. I expect her to tell us a little bit more about that topic during the podcast. So Maya, uh, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you very much. Happy to be here. (laughs)
1: Let's start with a little bit more about yourself.
0: Yeah. So, so my, my journey is actually quite interested in, uh, quite interesting, uh, into becoming a public speaking coach. Uh, so I used to be a dance teacher, as you mentioned, and, um, that was my, my very first career. We're talking about 15 years ago already that unfortunately ended quite abruptly because I had a, a surgery on my hip and I, I stayed home for six months trying to figure out, okay, what's my next move in life going to be? I was 26 at the time. And then I first moved into a corporate job. Job because I didn't have the inspiration to, uh, you know, come up with something great. And I just wanted to have some solid ground underneath my feet. So I moved in a corporate job where I stayed for seven years. And at some point I realized, you know, this is this is not the, the space for me to stay, you know, in corporate world, there's politics, there's a lot of things that will go into details. And um, so I realized I really wanted to go back to teaching because actually when I was a dance teacher, it was not necessarily just the dancing that I loved, but it was teaching that I really loved. Uh, Which is something that I had been doing actually since I was, you know, four years old, putting my dolls in a circle and teaching them whatever I had learned in school that day. And uh, so, what I first started doing is I started to dive into the world of nonverbal communication, body language, because I felt, you know, that's very close to my roots as a dancer. And I was really fascinated by human behavior and body language. So, I dove into that world. And then, secondly, in my path came, as you already mentioned, NLP, neurolinguistic programming. So, as I started to explore these two, areas what what happened is that people came to me with either one of two questions. The first was, I have a presentation coming up, what do I do with my hands? It's like the most asked question. I'm sure you recognize that. It's That's the cool. most asked question because, you know, people wanted to know, okay, how do I how do I hold my body when I'm on a stage? And as I also dove into the world of neurolinguistic programming, people also came to me with the question, I'm nervous for a presentation, can you help me? So, then I started to realize, you know what, actually this whole topic of public speaking is something that I really love because as a child, I love doing, you know, class presentations or uh, and and this, this this teaching part, because essentially often, you know, presenting is also teaching in some way. Um, and I realized this is actually what I really love to do. Uh, and that's how the job found me rather than the other way around. I made a few detours. I worked with a business partner first and then I decided to to continue on my own. Uh, and now I've had Stage Heroes for the past two years, which has been an incredible journey.
1: Congratulations on that journey. It looks like <laughs> like very a very interesting one for sure. <laughs> a very interesting Absolutely. One for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> so what is Stage Heroes doing for like who are you working with? What are you, like you're working with from what I saw and what we talked about uh, before we started this, you're working with a lot of people, a lot of organizations, international companies, what are you helping them with?
0: Yes. That's a, that's a very good question. So, so first of all, the name stage heroes, I chose it because I really believe that it takes a hero to do good on stage. And what I mean by that is, you know, we all grow up with superheroes, you know, super Superman, Wonder Woman, all these type of heroes. And what makes them special is not the fact that they have special abilities or, or a special gift, but what makes them special is that they choose to use that gift to help others, even though it may put them in harm's way, or it may be scary, or they may get hurt. And, I really believe that we can all be heroes when we decide to take this, you know, idea or solution or story that we have and share that with a crowd, even though it scares us. Because you know, standing on front of us in, in front of a crowd on a stage is scary you know the brain gets messed up when you do that which is which is normal but then to go ahead and do it anyway it requires a little bit of heroism so hence the name stage heroes and and what i do is i work with two types of people on one hand i work with with big corporates where I train groups or executives on you know, how to bring humanity into their story, how to be authentic when they present, or also how to be convincing and compelling when they present an idea, obviously. And on the other part, I work with people who've had very interesting personal stories and i help them to to turn that story into you know something that's stage worthy so that they can use that to inspire others
1: brilliant that sounds so nice so what are the mistakes that those guys are doing like what are you seeing with your customers or as you said there are some questions that are being asked and thrown at you very very mm. often what are the top three things that <sighs> Uh, yeah, happily. so
0: so yeah, so so the so the first group, the business group, the biggest mistake there is the idea that a presentation is a PowerPoint slide deck. So mm-hmm. that's where it's where it starts. When people, you know, just the terminology, when they talk about my presentation, they're not referring to the actual presentation, but just the slide deck. And that's often what The biggest mistake is first thing I do, I have a presentation coming up. First thing I do, I open PowerPoint and I start creating slides. So so that I think is one of the biggest mistakes. And then secondly, it's not understanding or not thinking about why is this presentation important? So really focusing on, okay, I have this I have this bulk of information and I just need to put it in bullet points and bring it across rather than, hey, what am I actually trying to accomplish? What is the behavior I want to change? What is the mindset I want to change in my audience? What is the decision I I need the people who are listening to make? And then work down from there. But instead they start working with what do I want to say? What do I want to send? And then we'll see whatever lands where. Uh, So, yeah,
1: Which is never a good idea, I think. I mean, Like if you always start with PowerPoint or Apple Keynote or any other for that matter, and you don't know where you want to go. Exactly. um, It will never end up it will never end well.
0: <laughs> no, no, but this is what I see in in corporate. There's there's a big, you know, PowerPoint or keynote or, you know, uh, there's a culture where people also say, yeah, I'm afraid to do my presentation without a PowerPoint because people may think I'm unprepared, you know, which is crazy. It's, it's not true at all. Actually, you know, having a PowerPoint may make you less prepared because you're relying so much on the fact that everything's already on the slides. But there's this, this you know, this mindset within, within company cultures, uh, especially older companies. So if we, if I look at more startup companies or tech companies, it's already a lot less, but with more old fashioned companies, there's really this PowerPoint culture that that's actually what, what is leading.
1: Yeah. A few episodes ago, we were, I don't know who was with me on the podcast, but we were talking about a moment when our team got hired to work on an IPO and presentation, initial public offering presentation. And when we were working with the financial guys those guys, because we wanted to simplify the slides in this case tremendously, because you can imagine just data and numbers and text on top of it. And it's
0: monstrous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: monstrous. And I was like, we need to simplify this and it will look this way. And they are like, no, it won't. And I'm like, why? And they asked this question that I'll never forget, which was if this slide looks like the way your designers or your team did it, where am I supposed to read from? And I was like, You are not supposed to read from it. You know that? <laughs> I mean that is so 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 often. Do you yeah. see that also with your corporate customers?
0: Absolutely, that is the biggest problem. People. I, I read this quote once. I have no idea who it's from, so uh, please don't uh, hurt me for not giving a credit who, to who belongs to credit <laughs> to. But the uh, the quote said that a lot of people l- use PowerPoint like a drunk person uses a lamppost, uh, more to hold on to rather than actually to uh, light something up, and uh, yeah. that's that's what it is they they use a powerpoint and then they do voiceover and even now in 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 online presentations where the powerpoint literally takes over 90 percent of the screen which i think that all these uh you know all the zooms and and uh, teams of the world need to fix that you just have your slides 50 50 or even 40 60 but the slides take over the whole screen and they become a voiceover and their audience ends up looking at a, a static screen for for half an an hour and, and people are wondering why everybody falls asleep and it's just yeah I, I, do it without and see what happens and then people are often really surprised at also how much freedom they get right Because. I'm sure we've all seen presentations where, where someone, where the presenter runs out of time and then they realize they run out of time and then they just click through a few slides and say, oh, we'll just skip this one, skip this one. And as an audience, you feel like, okay, so there's information here that you're skipping now and you, you know, you it's it, it gives you so much less freedom when actually if you don't have, you know, these details po- detailed PowerPoint slides, then that won't happen. You give yourself more freedom to move left or right if, if the moment asks for it.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned online, which is probably the perfect moment for us to go yeah. there and say, Hey, what changed? Like what changed in this online world compared to because many like when I when I went to your website and scrolled through everything, etc., a lot of the photos are from the in-person type of mm-hmm. meetings, presentations, events. Yes. And now that's already in the past. Yes. What changed for the public speaker or for the business professional that just needs to present. It's yeah. just that they now need to do it online. What changed yes. for them?
0: Well, I mean, of course a lot has changed, but the most important thing that I get back from people is I feel like I don't have connection. I feel like I don't know how people are responding. I'm, I'm talking into you know a black void. I can't even keep myself excited, let alone keep my audience excited. And that has really changed. It, it requires different techniques. Um, it requires people to, you know, look into the camera, for example, uh, rather than look at the screen all the time. And that's a skill because that's super unnatural to do because as as humans, you know, my brain is constantly guided to look at you now, for example, and to look at your eyes, but actually when I'm doing that, you feel like I'm looking past you. Yep. So I have to constantly make this switch between looking into the camera, and looking at the screen. And that's something that you really need to practice. And I think as well on, on etiquette level, there's a lot that needs to change because I hear so many people say, yeah, but when I present, everybody puts their cameras off and I don't even know if they're listening or uh, I see higher management that's in my presentation. I just see them answering a text when i'm presenting there's we need to yeah we need to redesign this online meeting etiquette to say you know just like in a real life meeting when you're here you're here what i always do with with my my trainees when i do a training i say to everyone you know show me your phones right here and then hold it in your left hand and then reach really 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 far away and then put it somewhere where you can't you can't reach it you know just to take all of the clutter all of the all of the distraction because our our human brain is programmed to constantly focus on two things, what has a face and what moves. And if what is on my screen doesn't have a face and doesn't move, what's gonna happen is my attention is gonna broaden. You know, I'm gonna start looking what happens outside or I see my cat walking on the left or I see a kid or that's just how our brain works. So if you want people to be focused, you have to make sure that they can see you, that there's stuff moving, that stuff's happening. And most important that you keep yourself excited that you keep yourself excited about what you're talking about. Because if you're not enthusiastic, then obviously your audience yeah. will never be.
1: It's, it's very hard for them to be. That is like, that is guaranteed. What, what is your feedback and what do you train the people around you and your customers in regards to the hardware part? Because there is obviously now, there was this saying that now people were complaining more or less now, oh, but I'm a financial person or I'm an IT guy or whoever. Right. And they all say, yeah, but now I need, because of all of that, I need to become a tech person. You know, like there are so many wires, uh, cables and uh, cameras and uh, microphones and sound cards, whatever. Like what's your take on the hardware part? Do you advise them to, do you advise them to invest a little in cameras, mics, whatever? what's what's happening there
0: well I definitely advise companies to invest in in cameras and microphones for their people obviously because also because the message that you're sending with that is we take you seriously and we want you to be able to do to have good meetings because having a good camera obviously makes a really big difference in how you're being perceived by your audience having a good microphone too I've had plenty of meetings where the other person was you know we couldn't really hear them or that it was too dark so you could not really see their face or so so that is the first I think as, as a company you send a message as well to your to your people like we want you to be able to do your work and these are the tools you need That doesn't have to be difficult you know just a very simple webcam that you put on top of your uh, on top of your screen and maybe an external microphone or even just really good earplugs you know that already does the, does the job for for most people you know if you're not presenting to hundreds of people every day that already does the job. Uh, and it, t- it sends a message as well to the audience that you take them seriously, right? If you have good equipment. But for, for people that are just doing everyday presentations, I don't recommend them to invest hundreds and hundreds of euros into equipment. Just invest time in delivering a good message. However, if you are someone who does a, you know, if you are a CEO of a company or a president of a company and you do regular, you know, online town halls where you speak to everyone, please invest in proper equipment. You can even hire someone to do all the recording for for you during during your your town hall you know that's
1: um yeah. it's expected from you i mean absolutely yeah it's very very strange that nowadays we see those people where like they try to sell and especially the guys that are in the people that are in the sales role you know like it is very strange that they don't understand that when you're in person you make this first impression when you first approach somebody and when you're online you still make an impression and absolutely I mean, this time is just, hey, It's it, your first impression will depend on your mic and the quality of the mic and also the camera, obviously yes. how you're addressed again. Right.
0: Yes. <laughs> and your your background is very important, right? Your background says a lot about you, especially if you're a salesperson. You know, I'm looking at your background right now and I see some some miniature cars, for example. I I could ask you yeah. about that, and that's where we could connect. And that's where, you know, you could have this little chit chat. And and what I'm telling people is that online, when you're doing sales, yes, you're you're away from each other, you can't sense each other's presence, you can't, you know, you don't have physical contact. All of that is true. However, people are in inviting you into their home. There's nothing more intimate than that. You know, that is the perfect moment and space to connect to a person. Plus we're all dealing with the same, I want to say bullshit. Can I say that on your yeah. podcast? Yeah, We're absolutely. all dealing with that at, the, at this moment. And if there's one thing that connects people is a common enemy and we all have this common enemy called Corona right now. So, so use that, you know, it's, it's easy to look at the things you can't do, but look at the things that you can. And, and also when we talk about doing a presentation in front of a hundred people, there was never a moment when you were able to make eye contact with a hundred people at the same time. That's That's impossible in real life. And now you can do that. You know, whenever there's a moment in your, in your speech or your talk, when you really want people to pay attention, when you really want some of this something to sink in you know come a little closer make eye contact with the camera and that's where people really feel oh my god he's talking to me or she's talking to me you would never be able to do that in real life so use the advantages of of this whole online working and online presenting as much as it's easy it's easy to worry about everything that you can't do and everything that's different and everything that sucks that's everybody can do that but look at all the look at all the positive sides i'd say
1: Absolutely. Everything has pros and cons. I mean, absolutely everything. And online presentations are not, they're not an exception. I'm just worried a little bit about like the overall presentation space and people that are being asked to present because especially at the beginning, they they thought because they thought that just because they're at home, it's easier. Mm. I was like, "Mm, you know, it's not exactly the case. And you'll find it out very, very soon. Yes. And they, yeah, they found it out. And then, thankfully, a lot of people adapted and kind of did at least a little. Say, wait a minute, this is really not the same format. I mean, this is... well,
0: what I what I do see is that it may not be easier skill-wise, but some people do feel safer. Um, I work with some people who had very severe public speaking anxiety who feel like doing an online present presentation, I don't feel the same anxiety I would if if uh if I would be put on a stage with five hundred people in the room. So that is an interesting development, which means that you'll see more of you know, the introverts within companies may get more of a voice, whereas the extroverts they may need need more of that interaction they may need more of that you know energy that's being exchanged of you know being in a real space uh so i think as well for companies that would be interested to look out for your introverts because it just might shine in this 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 area
1: yeah. in this
0: time yeah
1: Tell us a little bit about nlp nlp always sounded sexy you know yes like like <laughs> I'm, I know NLP, I'm certified NLP master. I'm, I'm like, this is one of those, for example, like those, so, the so-called buzzwords in the business. World.
0: Yes. Like yes. This
1: is, so do you, so what about storytelling or especially I, I'm coming from the IT world, from the mm-hmm. IT, IT background and, in the IT, as you probably know very well, there are just so many buzzwords. Like back then, when I was involved, it was cloud computing. Are mm, yeah. cloud computing? And you know, i like, what is cloud yeah. computing?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, do you have like big data projects? But what is big data? Oh, a lot yeah. of data, but how much? But it's a lot. How big is the data, actually? How big is the data? A lot. It's super big. <laughs> it's this. Yeah. It let's enable people, right? Let's enable organizations. So NLP is that's also one of those things that when you hear it, it's like, oh wow, that yes, it just gives well, you the additional credibility just because of the words. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A <laughs> yeah, yeah. NLP and the connection point with presentations.
0: Yes, well, I ha- I mean, I have to be honest. For me, it's been already five years since I did my last Master Practitioner in NLP, so a lot of it is already. You know, there's a lot of it that I use, but there's also a lot of it that I have let go of. So NLP is basically just a a really big set of communication techniques, if you will. And this is about not just communicating with others, but also communicating with yourself most, most uh, foremost. So what I where NLP has really helped me understand um, the people that I work with better is understanding that we hold ourselves back on so many layers that is in our subconscious. So NLP is really about understanding more what happens in the subconscious and how our subconscious is holding us back from doing the things we want. Like some people, they say for 20 years, I want to stop smoking, yet they don't do it for some reason. And it's because that that smoking is giving them something that they're not ready to to say goodbye to yet. So, uh, And it's the same with presenting. A lot of people say, I really would like to be good at public speaking or I have this story and I want to get it out there, but yet, yet I'm not doing it. I'm not actually, you know, taking that moment on stage. Why is that? And often it has to do with the fact that people have these beliefs about themselves, they have these labels that have been put on them throughout their lives that they have decided to believe. Uh, could be, for example, someone believes I'm an introvert and at the same time they believe introverts are bad public speakers. Not true, but for them it's true. And if that's something that you continue to believe, you can really focus on skills a lot, you know, uh, practice, 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 and that might help you get further. But as long as there's a little voice in your head that says, yeah, but as long as you're an introvert, you'll never be a good public speaker, then you're never going to be a good public speaker. So sometimes there is work that goes beyond just the skills and that is really what nlp helps me to do and to understand in my clients and to to just bring them across that hurdle to see okay what are how are you mentally preventing yourself from being the best you can be
1: how do they find it are they all in for that idea or do they find it strange at the beginning
0: some people find it strange Mm. but then i just I just tell them it's not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and they believe me. Uh,
0: and they believe me. I don't know why people people tend to believe me for some reason. Um, no, I mean, usually if someone is hesitant, I tell them my story. And I okay. tell them my story. And uh, uh, what I tell them is that I used to be a procrastinator. That was the label I had put on myself. You're a procrastinator. Uh, and also you're a person who never finishes anything. Because I had all these, my life was all these Uh, it was sort of a, a road of all these unfinished projects because I would soon move on to something else that was very shiny. Oh, there's a new shiny project or there's a new shiny object and I would move without finishing the first one. And I had always... I had just accepted that label about myself. But then when I became an entrepreneur, I realized, but hey, this is something I really, really want. And this is something that I want to do for the next 10, 20 years. But if I want that, first of all, I have to stop being a procrastinator because, you know, taxes. And then I have to stop being a person that never finishes anything because otherwise I'm going to let this go for something else. And I don't want that. I want to hold on to this. So I had to do this research in myself. And the first thing I had to ask myself is, is that actually true? Is it actually true that I never finish anything? And then I I started thinking, and I actually came across this list of things in my life that I had finished, but that had just moved to the the back because, you know, our brains works in a way that it always seeks to confirm what it already believes. So I was always looking for all the things that confirmed uh, the fact that I never finished anything, but I didn't look at all the things that disproved my belief. So that was the first step. And something that some someone believes can only be broken from the inside out, right? Uh there is this um person that I really love and I follow. He's a he's a brain specialist. I'm not sure his name is Jim Quick. I don't know if you know him. Um, no. but he always says it's like an it's like an egg. If it breaks, if you break it from the outside in, life ends. And if it breaks from the inside out, life begins. And that's also with beliefs. You know, if you we often try to convince someone, no, but you're actually really great, or you don't have to worry about that. Or, you look amazing or whatever but the person won't believe it because the belief can only be broken from the inside out so that's so those are the questions i started asking me and then i had to ask myself and this is where the magic usually happens is how does it serve me you know how does what is the reason that i have been holding on to this idea of i never finish anything and then i had to dig deep for that and i came to the conclusion that as long as i don't finish anything i can't fail either because I would just say, yeah, but I didn't finish it. So there's also no end result. So there's also no failure. So actually, it was just afraid to fail. And the moment I acknowledged that, the moment... I acknowledge that the fact that I kept this going was because I was afraid of failing. I could work through and and say goodbye to that label that I had put on myself. And now I have, you know, been doing this for, for six years and I have no intention of, of dropping this and going into another direction. So that's the work. So by explaining my own journey, you know, going first. That's usually when someone else goes like, okay, I think this might work for me too.
1: Yeah. So what is like, do you have like a favorite resource or do you remember like the first thing that you read about NLP or is it a, is there a book or like an online, like what is it that people should check on the subject of NLP first? do you have something?
0: Well there are a lot of books on NLP first of all. I mean if you read anything that's written by Tony Robbins it's all NLP but also if you just want to get started you could go for NLP for Dummies or you know there are a lot of those NLP starter books. For me, what happened with NLP was actually very interesting. I, I was in a moment in my life that I wanted to leave corporate. And NLP was this sort of thing that had come on my path a few times, you know, in the years prior. So I knew sort of what it was, but I was just intrigued. And then one evening I was scrolling on my Facebook. I saw an ad for an NLP summer course, 10 days, and it was right around the corner from my house. And I, it, within five minutes of seeing the ad, I signed up and then I started doing it. Okay. So that was also just for, you know, the thing with NLP is you can read about it, but you really need to go and do it. So if you're interested in NLP, go ahead and sign up for a practitioner and get a master practitioner. Those are sort of the, because in a practitioner, they give you the tools, but then in a master practitioner, you actually learn how to build a house because, you know, tools in itself, you can't really do anything with those yet, but you go and do it. If you're interested, go and do it.
1: That's, that was a great advice on the, NLP stuff. I never thought that. First of all, I didn't know how they go about the certification levels. I didn't know how they approach it. And the fact that the master is actually the practical part. Yes. That was like, I didn't know that at all. Yeah.
0: So you have a practitioner, then you have a master practitioner. And after that, you can choose to go into being a master coach. So it's just, if you really want to, you know, coach with only NLP, and then you can do master trainer, which is where you can become a trainer to teach NLP to others. Yeah, those are the maybe a lot of people.
1: I don't know. Maybe a lot of pe- a, a few people. I don't know whether or not there will be a lot, but maybe a few people will say, hmm, "Maybe it's now for my time to leave corporate and become an NLP <laughs> master." Who knows? Coach. Yeah. Who knows?
0: But in, in the end, what NLP really is is just NLP is a is a um, a collection of different techniques and interventions and things that have been developed mostly by you know psychiatrists psychologists and therapists and they just taken sort of best practices from all these different people and put that into one thing called nlp so in itself it's just you know it's just a, a collection of different things that come from different places that have existed for years and years
1: yeah by the way fun fact here while i'm leaving you to think about the next question which is we all in the last 20 episodes, we started asking people who is the person that impressed you so much with their presentation skills or with something related to presentations that you think we should get on the podcast. So think about that while I'm telling you the fun fact you said, you said that uh, those um, NLP for dummies type of books, like those type of, like the series of this for dummies, this for that for dummies, etc. I recently, it was like three months ago, I recently stumbled upon presentation skills for dummies, but it was translated in Bulgarian and it was outside on one of the main streets here in Sofia and an old lady was selling it for one euro, right? So for one euro, I was like, I'll buy it, you know, (laughs) I'll buy it. I don't have that one in English. I don't like to read in Bulgarian, to be honest, but I was like, let's buy it. Let's see how that one goes. And to be very, very frank, when I read it, obviously the translation was not that good, but okay. But to be honest, the guy that actually wrote it, the book is not bad at all. No? no this, I was surprised by the fact that these books for dummies are not that bad at all.
0: Yeah.
1: I was like, wait a minute, this is interesting. I thought that these are like very, very, like not what you would expect from that book. And I was like, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm, that's interesting. I need to be more careful with those books because I had this... Feeling that this will be super basic, super simple, badly yeah. written. <laughs> put a label on it. You know, I, I already had a label on it, yes. for it. But then I read and not read completely, but scanned through the book and went uh, went in detail for uh, went in detail for some of the things. And I was like, to be honest, this is quite a quite good book. You know, especially Ooh. for people that are not in the presentation space and that are, yeah. let's say, business professionals. Yeah. If they just pick up that book. And read it and think about it. And then, as you said, apply it. Yes. Or at least try to apply slowly a few things from here, a few things from there. They're going to become really good in presenting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's a, yeah.
1: That's great. uh, Have you seen this presentation skills for Demis?
0: I honestly have never read a XX for dummies book uh, yeah, for me, the same reason,
1: yeah, um,
0: but, but I think, and, and maybe that's something in marketing that they need to do because in my head, it's always also like, it's so basic. Why would you spend time reading a book on it? You know, cause that's usually stuff you can find on a YouTube video or whatever, but good. That's, that's really surprising to hear.
1: There were some yeah. really interesting ideas in that book. Cool. And I'm completely serious. Like, there were some really interesting thoughts, especially around brainstorming your presentation and especially around understanding your audience. I was, I'm shocked. Even up until that, even up until that, I'm shocked. That's (laughs) interesting yeah so, yeah, so you- I
0: yeah I have I'm actually I'm I'm actually going to google the name of the person that I'm thinking about because now that you're talking about books because when you asked me the question about who should we invite to the podcast I had a blank for a second right. but there is a book that I recently read which is actually quite a um recommendations All right. and it's called uh confessions of a public speaker
1: oh yeah by
0: now I see Scott Berkun. have you read it? have you read it yeah yep yeah, yeah I think that he would be great to have on your podcast anyway he's not doing he's not not doing seminars or anything now so but I really love and the the thing in that book that I loved the most was one of the tips where he said about when you start working on your presentation and you have written down some stuff walk away from it put it away for a day and then look at it the next day because if you're looking over it right away you're still in this space of being proud of what you have just produced and therefore you can't critically look at it. But the next day you're, you're no longer in that space of, Oh, I'm so proud that I've just done that. So you can look a lot more critical of what you have written, which is something that I now do for, you know, important emails or, uh, you know, emails that can't wait a day, obviously, uh, that can wait a day or, or, um, uh, a blog or anything that is, you know, important to write. I now always do that. I put it down for a day, and then I look at it the next day. And it's true that you that you have a f- not just a fresh mind, but also you're not your your judgment is not unclear because you're still in this. Like, oh, I'm so proud of what I've just written.
1: Yeah. Uh, so
0: that been. was one of the one of the best tips, I think.
1: Yeah, Scott is incredible. I, I actually found his work probably eight or nine years ago when I was still in the IT world because he was. In a lot, like he was very much involved in the IT space, mm-hmm. uh, but he was giving those keynotes also about presenting. And obviously, I caught the moment when he wrote that book. Yeah, I actually bought one, read it, lost it, and then bought it again because I love a lot of books, especially in our office. It's all so, like it is madness. But that, yeah, that book, especially for people that are, that did want to become conference speakers, especially there were some really great advices and really great yeah. tips there. Yeah.
0: Anyway.
1: And it's Scott, a fun book
0: to read. You read it pretty yes. easily. Yeah.
1: yeah. I completely agree. I am not sure that we are going to be able to get him, but at least people uh, heard his name and I'll make sure that we link his book also on the podcast yeah. because it's really worth it. Uh, he's I- very hard to, you know, he's very hard to, book or at least yeah again that's my label you know yeah yeah, I think yeah maybe so. he's just I'll very ask.
0: well you know i'll give you an example one of my favorite books of all time is uh, the big five for life it's a very simple book you read it in a week it's basically a, a book about leadership but it's written as a novel I really recommend it Uh, and it's written by uh, John Strzelecki and I just sent him an email on uh, LinkedIn saying that I really appreciated his book and I got a personal response back from him that he really, you know, I really appreciate the fact that I took time to reach out and, you know, so sometimes we have this idea that someone is inapproachable, but actually, uh, and he actually might be a great, uh, uh, I'm not sure how much he does in public speaking but that book's really amazing. Maybe he could be an interesting guest for your podcast when it comes to leadership.
1: Or or we can invite him also to the conference yes we're already planning and which we all agreed not all but both of us agreed that you are going to join us for 2022
0: absolutely i'll be there come <laughs> in <laughs> that's now
1: official people are still wondering what are those guys doing the 20 the 2021 is still coming up and they're already discussing 2022 what's going on well you need to plan in advance right yes so, well yeah, it's, so- i
0: mean you're the first you're the first um a commitment i'm putting in my calendar for 2022 so
1: congratulations it will be from from 14 to six 14 15 16th. yeah 14 to 16th of april i think but i need to double check that we i'll
0: block it in my calendar
1: yeah i'll send you a calendar appointment (laughs) be sure for that about you should be sure about that so where can people find more about what you're doing and what is the best place for them to connect with you
0: so my website is stageheroes.nl. Dot um, com is for sale, but it's crazy expensive, so I haven't decided to do that yet. Which is actually being redone at the moment. So if you want to get the full experience, wait another month, and then uh, it will all look even more beautiful. That's the best way to get in touch with me. Uh, and if you ever, if you want to work with me, I do a program that's called Stage Heroes Pro. It's an online program where I work with a small group of people and bring them towards becoming a better public speaker or stepping up their public speaking game, as I call. It. And yeah, yeah, and if you just want to reach out, find me on LinkedIn. Uh, my name is Margreet Jacobs. Sorry for that.
1: I <laughs> will <laughs> make we can sure put, we, link maybe that we can one. put
0: a link. <laughs>
1: yeah, more people um, are like, wait, Boris said Maya in the beginning. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I use my Dutch name on my LinkedIn still. Yeah, don't know why, actually. (laughs) A lot of people find me by that name too.
1: Yeah, I will make sure that we link the website. We will link every single time when I say this. We will link your LinkedIn. Awesome. It's (laughs) It's awesome. It's like NOP <laughs> I'm mastering OP, You know that? <laughs> so uh, we will link your LinkedIn profile, obviously uh, also the website and I'll personally send you a calendar appointment for Present to Succeed 2022. <laughs>
0: awesome. <laughs> I'll be story. there. Really looking forward to
1: that. <laughs> Perfect. Everyone, all the links will be in the show notes so that you can check them out. Maya, thanks for joining. That was super fun. Thank you so
0: super. much, Boris. I really had fun.
1: We can obviously talk. We always say that we can obviously talk about the world of presentations for hours and hours and we always say at the end of the podcast that if somebody has a question please ask your question on any social media channel and i will make sure that i'll tack maya and both of us will reply to you okay
0: absolutely
1: that's perfect in the meantime Shameless perk here for our website, 356 labscom which is also being redesigned as we are speaking. So two websites that are coming up <laughs> brand new and fresh very, very soon. Take a look at our website, see what we are doing and how we can help you and the company that you're working for, Right, design and deliver uh, what we call truly effective presentations. And again, present to succeed our conference, the biggest presentation skills event in the world coming up in April. And also again, coming up in April next year. So it's coming up twice in April. Maya will be there. A lot of people will be there. So get your tickets now. Thanks for listening. And in case you found this episode useful, subscribe to the podcast. And why not even leave us a review on iTunes or share it with a friend? Would appreciate it. Thanks again and see you in the next one.